Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message. As promised, we're making a big deal about trees, aren't we? Why are we making a big deal about trees? Well, we've already kind of gave the obvious answer about Tubushvat, but but I want to I want to compare. First of all, are trees important in the Bible? Are trees important in the world? Yes. Are they important in the Bible? Yes, most definitely. Trees, we meet trees in the first book of the Bible, in the first and second chapter of the Bible. God, in Genesis 2, says these trees are going to be good for you. In Genesis 3, we happen to run into a problem with a tree, man's fall by picking from a tree. Trees figured prominently in the building of the holy ark, acacia wood, into the temple in which Shlomo built using, what did he use? The cedars of Lebanon. Trees, unfortunately, have figured prominently, Jeremiah 10, Deuteronomy 16, maybe, into idolatry. God gives specific commands not to do things with trees that men have done through the ages. The story of redemption and eternal life was secured on a tree, in essence, and man's ongoing health in the world to come, Revelation 2, Ezekiel 47, the tree planted by the river that brings forth fruit that offers healing to man. Trees are important, but there's uh, something, something like, well, before I do that, let me, let me, let me hit this objection real quick. Okay. Tubishvat Come on, seriously, Damien. New Year for trees, what's that about? That's not even important. Like, that's, that's Talmudic. That's man-made. Well, first of all, let's talk about this. Because there's two very important lessons to learn from Tu B'Shvat. First of all, if you don't have Tu B'Shvat, it's not in the Bible, is it? It's in the Talmud, actually. It's mentioned there's a very, very, very functional reason for a New Year for trees. Anyone have a guess? Judy? Thank you, student of the week at Nechamu Ami. The term is orla. Orla is also the term used for the foreskin of the male. The trees in the first three years are not to be picked from. They are orla, they're forbidden, okay? That's not what that means, but 
You have to have some reckoning for when the trees have produced fruit. Which year do they count toward? Because this matters in terms of tithing, which is biblical. Okay? But there's a, there's a deeper point. Next week, we're going to get into Parsha Yitro, Moses' father-in-law, right? Yitro says to Moses, listen, you're going to kill yourself. Why are you doing this? Pick these guys, they can help you. Leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of tens. They can settle small things for you so that you're not going crazy. What is one of the things they settled? Tubishvat. That when the 15th of Shavat comes around, that's when we need to determine how to tithe on our trees. So when someone says it's man-made, yep, you're right, it is man-made. Hillel and Shammai, Hillel is the one whose who's halacha survived. So the month, Bet Shammai, you know these two guys, Shammai and Hillel, they're early, they predate Yeshua, right? And they had all these arguments. Shammai wanted Tubashvat to be, the, or to the, the cutoff for tithing, to be the first of Shabbat, Shavat, the month of Shavat. Hillel said, no, the 15th, Hillel won. So Tubishvat is just an acronym that means the 15th of Shavat. But there's also a section in Deuteronomy 17 where it talks about when you have issues, you need to take these to the courts. You need to take these to the men. They'll settle them. Don't veer from the right or to the left. So when someone beats you up about something man-made as if it's the end of the world, God gave authority to man in some cases to properly interpret the scripture for the people of Israel and for the world. That's a side note of Tubishvat. okay? Now, what do we really want to talk about? We want to talk about man is a tree and woman is a tree. You can learn so much about you, your spiritual health, from a tree. Did you know that? Did you know that technically the Bible says you are a tree? Deuteronomy 22, we read this. And I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 2019, when in your war against a city, you have to besiege it a long time in order to capture it. Anyone know what's coming next? You shall not destroy its trees wielding an axe against them. In other words, when you're getting ready to take something, don't be stupid. Don't kill the trees that will produce fruit for you. They'll produce food. Don't wield an axe against them. You may eat of them, but you must not cut them down. Any trees are trees of the field, human, it says, to withdraw before you into the besieged city. In other words, are they human? Can they run from you? But you know what the actual Hebrew says? The man is a tree. That's what the Hebrew says. The man is a tree. Well, Damien, that's, that's like, that's a little bit of a stretch to say from that that I'm a tree. Okay, well, let me back it up and say this. You should want to be a tree. Do you know why you should want to be a tree? Psalm 1-1, remember it? Anyone can quote Psalm 1-1 for me? Blessed. Blessed, blessed is the one 
who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. That's you. Jeremiah 17, if you needed another reason you want to be a tree. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. The leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. Do you want worries? Be a tree. But let's dig in, pun intended. What is the most important part of a tree? Say again. I'm so glad you said that. Because I used to say that too. One time I gave a whole message about the tree and its roots. Our logo, our sign, Yeshua in the center, rooted, right? Roots. It's got to be the roots. Because the roots provide what? Depth. They provide foundation. They provide the ability to feed the tree. No roots, no foundation. What can we compare to roots in our lives? Our roots are our foundation, our relationship with God. They strengthen us so that when the wind does come, We have a solid foundation. The wind cannot blow us over. We may bow. How many have have ever faced a struggle that God brought your way that you found yourself in this position? I have many times. It is our roots that sustain us. Does that mean that our roots, the roots of the tree are the most important part? Seemingly it should. What good is a root or an elaborate system of roots without water? Roots are useless if there's nothing for them to soak up. We must have maim. Maim chayim, we say, the water of life. What is What is the Torah compared to by Moses? He says, may my teaching fall like rain, water. What is Moses' teaching? It is the Torah. We have to have water. Our relationship, our roots are fed by our relationship with God, which we learn how? From Maim Chaim, his teaching that descends from the heavens and we soak it up in our root system and therefore we must then conclude that the roots and the water, or we might say earth and water, are the most important part of a tree. Would you agree? You know better than to answer that because you know I'm going to tell you that you're wrong. You're not wrong. They're important. Are they the most important? Well, let us continue. Roots and water provide something for us 
if we, if we metaphorically refer to them as our relationship with, our, with God and our knowledge of Torah, our knowledge of God, our knowledge of his ways, our knowledge of his word, that is seemingly all we need. There's a phrase, there's a, there's a section in Pirkei Avot. You know Pirkei Avot? It's from the Mishnah. It's the ethics of the fathers. Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah says this about a strong system of roots and we'll say nourished by water. Pirkei Avot, Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, he would say, anyone whose wisdom exceeds his deeds, get it? Anyone whose wisdom exceeds his deeds should be compared to what? To a tree whose branches are many, but whose roots are few. Okay, just stay with me for a second. The wind comes and uproots it, turns it upside down as it is said. And he shall be like a lonely juniper tree in the wasteland, shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness on and on, Jeremiah 17. But listen to this. One whose deeds exceed his wisdom, what is he like? He is like a tree whose branches are few, but whose roots are many. Even if the wind comes of the winds of the world, come and blow upon it, they do not move it from its place. Here's my point. Do you know anybody who's too smart for their own good? Everyone always thinks I'm talking to them. Did you know that too much water kills a tree? Stagnant water. When roots sit in soil that is drenched, they die. You can have too much, what's the phrase? I heard you say it one time, Darren. Too much heavenly knowledge for his own earthly good or something like that. Yeah, what Azaria is saying is what Yeshua said. He's saying, you can have all the knowledge in the world. You can have the most elaborate, hidden, well-structured root system in the world. If you don't produce something from it, you're no good. You can definitely be too smart for your own good. I am, I am a scholar of the Bible. I sit in my office, it smells of rich mahogany, leather-bound books, and I study. And I hide myself away from the world who desperately needs me. We must, like the tree, have parts of us that are exposed. Don't take that the wrong way. Okay, you get it? You see what I mean? We must have the ability to produce fruit in this world. That's what Rabbi Azariah, Elazar ben Azariah is saying. That's what Yeshua said to us in Matthew 15. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, what does he do? 
He takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so it will bear more fruit. Sometimes being exposed, sometimes being out in the world, sometimes being a guy or a girl who's taking your wisdom and your roots and your foundation and you're trying to produce fruit, sometimes God prunes it. Sometimes we face difficult situations in our exposure to people who hurt us, and sometimes we just need to be pruned. But here's here's where it gets extremely interesting, because our our Torah knowledge, our our, our, um, foundation in God, our study, our ability to try to walk and be holy, these are are kind of tangible things. Like you you can quantify how much someone knows in the Bible. The things that produce fruit for the tree and the things that produce fruit for you primarily are invisible. They are the air and the fire. And to get mystical for you, and just, just for one split second, four elements created the earth. Earth, Fire, air, and water. The things in your life that produce the fruit, that make you the tree planted by water, the things that make you matter to the world are not necessarily under the ground. They are the things that are above ground, exposed, nourished, and fed by what is above And for a tree, it's the act of photosynthesis. Fire, the sun. Can you see kind of where I might be going? There's a play on words happening here. S-U-N-S. But the air, the air, the air, the wind, carbon dioxide, you cannot as a tree produce any fruit without these two things working together. The ruach will just be creative with it. The ruach, the wind, the air, the spirit, and the sun. The tree relies on the air and the fire, and so do you. If you want to make a difference. Because those things combined with the soil, the water, soaking it up, bringing it through the system that is you and exposing it to the light and the air produces fruit. And that's what Yeshua has called you to do. That's what God has called you to do. And so it's not a stretch at all for God to say, if you're a good person, you are a tree. You see, what I love about those things is there's almost like, there's almost a proof of God hidden within this, within this tree analogy. Because the tangible the study and, and, and like coming to synagogue, those things that happen that build your foundation, those are tangible, but we don't, we don't actually thrive on those things. 
They're part of the process. Adin Steinsaltz, a wonderful scholar, says we, we don't live underground. The physical, our, our, our lives, they're not really the main elements of who we are. The Torah and God is our soil and our water. The air is, is the ruach that leads and empowers us. And the sun, the sunlight and the S-O-N sun, redeem, revive, and lead you down the path of creating fruit. You are a tree. And there's not one part that's most important. You must have them all. Ken, nachon, that means right. Ken. Yes. Without it, without any of those things, a tree cannot live for long. A tree with a great and awesome root system and plenty of water planted in the dark. Michael, what happens to it? It dies. And for the tree that has no root system but lives in the Florida sunshine... What happens to it? That's the other kind of person you know. The person who's too smart for their own good, and then you have the person who's too spiritual for their own good. They float about in the fire, and the Spirit is working, and they have no foundation at all. And the wind comes, and they're tossed. To beautify, to produce, even to repair this world takes all four, and you are a tree. And what are the results? Trees grow by what is seen. They produce by what is unseen. But they all work together. How are you doing with your four elements? You can't. You can't skimp on them. So a rabbi's confession for you. I like to think that I have a pretty good handle on some things in the Bible. I like to think that I study and have a pretty good foundation. I also work a lot. Like I spend so much time working and we'll just call that building the foundation, okay? Do you know what's happened to me over the last six months? I've spent so much time working and building and studying and gaining knowledge and trying to teach you and, and, and do all the other things that I do. That the air and the sunlight just aren't getting to me. And so my relationship, my ability to really produce fruit, my ability to experience God, to soak up the sun, to enjoy the wind and the air has been compromised. And without it, you don't have the joy of the Lord. You are not a tree planted by a stream of living water.
And so everything I told you in that message, that little email that goes out before Shabbat yesterday, whether you know what Tu B'Shvat is, whether you don't know, whether you don't care about anything because your spiritual life is dry, I can relate to that. And so for me personally, and maybe for some of you, I don't know. Tu B'Shvat actually matters a lot to me because God has communicated with me in it. You got the roots and you got the water, son, but you're, you're missing something really big. You need to be where the light is. You need to be where the sun is. You need to be where the wind and the air is moving you. So, the good news is that all these things are readily accessible, just like they are out in these 26 acres of land where these trees thrive and they don't even have to think about it. First of all, trees can't think. You can. But there's earth and water and wind and light. And I want all of us, trees without those things, they die. But trees with those things, they live, they can live thousands of years. Trees. Yeshua made a promise to you. He's called you to be a disciple, which means you combine all four of those elements. And he promises that he will abide in you. He says, abide in me, and I'll abide in you. And we will produce fruit together. And yeah, you'll be pruned, but you'll produce more. There's these scriptures. Isaiah says to us in 65, for as the days of a tree, so will be my people. You are a tree. That's for this world. That's for this world. That's for the one, the Psalm 1 guy who's planted or girl Woman, planted by the stream of water, yielding its fruit in season. You have to be planted. But in this life, Isaiah says it, you'll be like like a tree. The days of your life, days of your people, my chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hand. That's for this world. But like the tree lives thousands of years, which to us is forever. Guess what? With the combination of these elements, our psalm for Shabbat, Psalm 92, makes another promise to you. Trees. You trees. You beautiful trees. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Planted, they will grow like cedars of Lebanon. Planted where? In the house of the Lord. We sang it today. It is good to praise the Lord and make music. 
And he says something about like the cedars of Lebanon, which is here. They will flourish. Where will they flourish? In the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no wickedness in him. That's for the world to come. We are trees here. We will be trees, in a sense, there. Flourishing in the courts of our God. So, God has spoken to me through the trees. Man, you're so weird. I know, man, far out. (laughs) Far out, the trees are singing. No. I pray that God speaks to you in the same way. The earth and the water and the wind and the sun that you be planted like the Psalm 1 person, blessed immeasurably. You beautiful trees, happy to Bishvat. Shabbat Shalom. We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makinmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening.